Thank you for being here today. We appreciate so much your presence. We do want to express happy Father's Day to those of you that have children. We hope and pray that today's a great day for you and that you have the opportunity to spend time with your family, with your friends, and to enjoy a very special day. Very grateful for our earthly fathers and for what they mean to us and the cause of Christ. And so thank you again for all that you do. We pray that God will continue to bless you in so many ways. I do want to say thank you to Jared for preaching last week in my absence. We were in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and it was a great trip. Glad to be home. No place like home. But thank you to Jared. We are looking today at 1 Kings chapter 2. 1 Kings chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, the passage Kevin read just a moment ago. We're going to be talking about David. And you know that David was a man after God's own heart. The Bible tells us that David, in many respects, was the greatest king over the United Kingdom. Matter of fact, when you go back and look at all those great kings, many, sadly, were not what they should have been. David had his indiscretions, but nonetheless was a good man and sought to live for God and to fulfill His will. In our context, the Bible tells us that the days of David drew near that he should die. And it was at this juncture in life that David made a very solemn charge to his son Solomon. Solomon renowned for his wisdom. And Solomon, as you remember from Scripture, was the last king over the United Kingdom. The kingdom split after Solomon. And so David provides some encouraging words to his son Solomon. We might say some parting words. Parting words to a son that he loved appreciated, and no doubt one of the very best four. So let's talk for a moment or two about these parting words from the man after God's own heart. I want to begin first and foremost by talking about the passing of God's servant. Now just a moment ago I made reference to the fact that the writer here tells us that the days of David drew near, that he should die. Now, whether we like it or not, death is a reality. No matter how famous we might be, how well educated we might be, no matter how well we take care of this physical body, at some point in time, unless the Lord comes, we'll leave this world, won't we? And so when I look at this text, number one, there is the acknowledgement of death. But then secondly, there is what I would call the acceptance of death. David would tell his son Solomon, I go the way of all the earth. You remember in Psalm 89, the psalmist many years ago said, Remember how short my time is. Moses, in recording the 90th Psalm, said that we might live to be 70 or 80 years of age. But he said it's soon cut off and what happens? We fly away. The exhortation, teach us to number our days that we might apply our hearts to wisdom, to understand 
Time is valuable. I would say probably our most valuable commodity. And yet, time is slipping away, isn't it? The Hebrew writer said, It is appointed that a man wants to die. After this comes the judgment. So there is this acknowledgement of death. The problem, however, we all know that death's a reality. It's not necessarily a problem as we contemplate the reality of death. The problem is accepting our mortality. To realize we're not going to be here forever. As we grow older in life, and as we witness the physical body, as it begins to diminish in strength and power, stamina, etc., we are reminded of the fact that we weren't built to live here forever. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul said, We know that if the earthly house, this earthly tent or tabernacle be dissolved, we have a building of God. What he's saying there is that this physical body is wearing out, running down. It will ultimately give way to death. You remember when Paul wrote to Timothy in his second and final letter of inspiration in 2 Timothy chapter 4? In verse 6, Paul would say, I'm already being offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Look, Paul knew death was imminent. But he would die at the hands of Nero Caesar, which he did. So there was this acceptance of reality. There's a second thing I want to call your attention to in our study. First, we note together the passing of God's servant. But secondly, there is the priority of God's servant. Now again, when David charged Solomon, he said, I go the way of all the earth. In other words, I'm about to leave this world. My time has come for me to say goodbye to the world and to the people that are in this world. And so it was in light of his brevity, the fact that time's running out, that he gives a twofold charge. Number one, he said, you need to be a man of strength. And number two, you need to be a man of stature. So, he said, I want you to be strong and prove or show yourself a man. Solomon no doubt possessed a lot of fine qualities in life, didn't he? One of the things that he lacked in many ways was what we would call self-control. He was not nearly as strong spiritually as he should have been. Paul reminds all of us that as God's people, we are to be strong in the Lord in the strength of His might. We are, as He said, to put on the whole armor of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the methodologies of the devil. To understand that spiritual strength is not an option. We've got to be equipped to do battle with the evil one. You remember when Joshua assumed the mantle of leadership God said to Joshua in the long ago, Moses, my servant, is dead. It would fall upon Joshua to lead the children of Israel into that promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And God said to Joshua in the long ago, 
Be strong and very courageous. Now think about that. Matter of fact, three times in chapter 1, God said to Joshua, you need to be strong. You need to be very courageous. And you need to observe all that is written in the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. He said, don't turn to the right hand nor to the left that you may prosper in all that you do. Then listen to him in the next verse, verse 8. He said, This book of the law shall not depart from my mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. He said, If you do this, you'll make your way prosperous. And then he said, You'll have good success. So God telling Joshua, the template for success, Joshua, you stay with me, you stay with my word, and you're going to prosper in this life. You're going to be successful. So there's this idea of being strong spiritually. Solomon instructed to be a man of great strength, but also his stature. And we know that as we are born into this world, there is a growth process. We begin to grow in stature. It was said of Jesus in Luke 2, verse 52, that He grew in wisdom and stature, favor with God and man. The Bible says of Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 2, at verse 26, you remember God said of him that he grew in stature, but he also grew in favor with the Lord and men. Samuel was growing and became a great prophet of Almighty God. God used him extensively. So here's the idea. Solomon, you need to man up. You need to be a strong man of God. Isn't that the case today? That we have to encourage our young people as they grow and mature to be a man or to be a woman of God? When Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he talked about those that were interested in material and physical things. In contrast, Paul said, But you, O man of God. Timothy was a young fellow, but identified by Paul as a man of God. What we need today are men and women of God. We have a lot of young people. Very grateful for all the young people that we have. What we're trying to do is to help develop them, to grow them in Christ. So now there's a third thing I want to talk about for a moment or two. The pattern for God's service. What David does in this context is provide a template for his son Solomon. He said, you need to keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in His ways. And then he said to keep His statutes, commandments, judgments, testimonies. In other words, that which had been written in the law. David said, I want you to honor these principles. I want you to honor this pattern. Now, number one, 
Note if you would, he was to walk in the way of God. He said to keep the charge of the Lord your God, to walk in His ways. We have to make choices in life, don't we? Sometimes one choice can change the direction of life. You ever thought about that? One choice. When Adam and Eve succumbed to temptation in the Garden of Eden, that one choice to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil brought a lifetime of suffering to them. Not just to them, but also to the human family because the door was open to pain, suffering, and death. That one choice. So what, what David is saying to Solomon is, look, I want you to walk in the way of God. The psalmist said in Psalm 1 at verse 1, Blessed is the man that walks not in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, nor stands. Think about that. Not to walk, not to sit, not to stand. In other words, you've got a path to take in this life. When Jeremiah the prophet began speaking to the children of Israel, Writing to people that were going into Babylonian captivity, he said, Stand in the way and see, and ask for the old paths. When is the good way and walk therein? Sadly, Solomon ignored the advice of his father. Rather than walking in the ways of God, he departed in many ways. So, number one, to walk in the ways of God, and number two, to walk as directed by the Word. Now what the record tells us is that Solomon was to honor the Word of the living God. All the problems that we face in this world today, the heartache, and the shame and the suffering of sin. All of that is a result of people ignoring the Word of God. We're not paying a heavy price in the world today because we're following the Word of God. We're paying a heavy price because we've ignored the Word of God. Whenever you say no to God's Word, you simply open the door to any number of problems in life. You remember with regard to following God's Word and the importance of that Word. The psalmist said, Your Word's a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my pathway. God's Word gives direction, light, in a darkened world of sin. And what David was saying to his son, I want you to follow the Word of God. I want you to do it day in, day out. Matter of fact, back in Deuteronomy chapter 14, instructions were given by God concerning those who would one day sit on the throne. They were to be men of God, and they were to have at their disposal the Word of God, and they were to read it, to meditate in it. As God said to Joshua in the long ago, I want you to meditate in my law day and night, and you observe to do according to all that's written in it. Now just pause for a moment or two. Look at some of the problems that Solomon had because he ignored divine advice. He opened the door to just any number of 
troubles and trials in his life. The Bible tells us, matter of fact, Paul tells us that the Bible, that if we'll take this word, the intent is to profit us, to help us, to guide us, to direct us. Listen to Paul. All Scripture given by inspiration of God and is profitable. What David was saying to his son in the long ago was, Solomon, you want to enjoy a good life, you want to be blessed in this life, you follow God's Word. You walk in the ways of God and you stay with the Word of God. I can tell you right now, you will never go wrong doing that in this life. We've got a lot of young folks here today. The decisions that you make today will impact your life tomorrow. Don't make the mistake of living below the knowledge that you possess. You know right from wrong. You know the difference between good and evil. And so what you need to do is make wise decisions. Base every decision on what the Bible has to say. You'll never go wrong. You pray about it. You meditate on it. You make sure that God, that God is governing your life every day. When Peter said on Pentecost Day, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Those who obeyed the gospel on Pentecost Day, they were laying claim to the Lordship of Christ, that He would be the one to direct their ways. Is God directing your path today? As a parent, are you trying to instill in your children the truth of Almighty God? Now there's a fourth thought I want to share with you. The prosperity of God's servant. There was a reason why David charged Solomon to honor the truth of Almighty God. He said that God might fulfill His word which He spoke concerning me. That if your sons, listen to Him, take heed to their way. As we grow older in this life, matter of fact, really the truth is the same for young and old alike. But we need to look introspectively at how we're living. What we think, how we think. We need to think about where we are in this life. Take heed to the way, the path that we're following. And he said, if they'll keep my charge and walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul. There it is right there. As a father, as a mother, I mean, what is it that you really want for your children? I mean, what do you really want for them? You want them to get a good education? You want to see that degree hanging on the wall, whether it's high school or college or a graduate degree? Do you want to see them excel athletically? Do you want to see them grow socially? All those things are good. Nothing wrong with any of those. But listen, we miss the boat 
If the ultimate goal is not to see our children thrive, spiritually speaking. So we have the responsibility of trying to encourage our children, as David did, to Solomon, to walk before God in truth. Listen again to what he said. I want them to walk before me in truth with all their heart, with all their soul. You can't obey what you don't know. We have the responsibility of trying to train, to teach, to mold our children into people of God. Remember what Paul said, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4, You fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. What David is saying to Solomon is, if you want your children to be successful, David, if you want to be successful, here it is. You've got to honor my word. Hadn't changed at all, has it? Look again at Joshua chapter 1. God said to Joshua, If you'll meditate on my truth day and night, and if you will observe to do according to all that's written in the law, he said, you're going to make your way prosperous. And then note, he said, you'll find good success. I don't know anybody that wants to be known as a loser. I don't know anyone in this life that is not looking for some measure of success or validation. Do you? I don't think people get up in the morning and say, you know what, I hope I, I, hope I fail everywhere I turn. And whatever I do, I hope it's an absolute catastrophic fail. We don't think like that, do we? No, we want our children to be successful. David is talking to his son, bone of his bones, flesh of his flesh. And David is saying, look, I want you to be successful, but in order for you to be successful, you've got to stay within the way of God, and you've got to walk in the Word of God. That's it. True then, true today. As parents, we are pushing our children in the direction of truth. Now, there's a second thought here. First, success. Secondly, a successor. God said to David, He said, look, if the Lord's going to fulfill His word concerning me, your children, your sons, your descendants, number one, they need to take heed to their way. And they need to walk before me in truth with all their heart, with all their soul. And he said, if they do that, there will not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Samuel became dis disturbed because the children of Israel wanted a king, and yet God in His omniscience, the fact that He's all-knowing, knew that the children of Israel at one point in time in history would clamor for a king. The prophet said, no long ago, I gave him a king in my wrath, took him away in my anger. That throne was conditional. Matter of fact, go back and read the writings of Moses. God said in effect to the children of Israel, if you'll honor my word, I'll bless you. If you ignore my word, repudiate what I have to say to you, I can tell you this, you will be cursed. Played out time and again, didn't it? So what Solomon had to understand was that he was a link in the chain. He had to be faithful. Matter of fact, God wanted him to be faithful. 
But then he had to try to rear children, offspring, that would be devoted to Almighty God. Why? Because he wasn't going to be king forever. The Bible tells us that after Solomon, after he vacated the throne, the kingdom was divided. You go back and you look at the history of the northern kings, they were all rotten to the core. The southern kings, there were a few. But why did they have all the problems they did? It wasn't because they chose to honor the law, but rather because they chose to dishonor the law. The northern kingdom went into captivity, Assyrian captivity, never to return again. The southern kingdom later went into Babylonian captivity for a period of 70 years. And God saved a remnant so that He might bring the Christ into the world. So what's the point? What's the application here? Those of you who are young, you are the future of the church. Did you know that? Your mom and your dad right now are leaders in the church. We have varying roles and responsibilities. At some point in time, we're going to step aside from the stage. And the work of the church is going to rest upon your shoulders. We need to be rearing young men and young women who aspire above all things to be faithful to God, to love Him with all of their heart, soul, and mind, to walk before God in truth. We want to raise or rear children who want to serve the Lord, to seek His kingdom first before anything else. We want our young people. Wouldn't it be great to see our young men one day serve as elders and deacons in the church? To lead singing? Teach Bible class? Wouldn't it be great to see some of our young ladies teach Bible class? To become a mentor to the young? As Paul would say, the more mature women teach the younger women to love their husbands, love their children. That's her domain, isn't it? Now they have, Women have varying responsibilities and roles in life. But the point is we're trying to instill in our children genuine faith. That's what was said of Timothy, remember? 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, Paul alluded to the genuine faith that dwelt in him. He said, at first dwelt in your mother, or rather your grandmother, Lois, then in your mother Eunice. But he said, I'm persuaded in you also. So we've got to be preparing our young folks to take the reins. I can only imagine what Joshua thought when God said, Moses, my servant is dead. Joshua had been under the tutelage of Moses. He'd been his assistant. And God said, there's coming a time, Joshua, when you're going to take the reins, you're going to take the mantle. So to our young people today, to those of us who are fathers, our goal is to see our children be successful in life. Nothing wrong with being materially successful. Nothing wrong with becoming a very successful business person or whatever. But to see them succeed spiritually. 
and then to one day succeed us in the work of the church. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for the opportunity to serve you. We thank you for the opportunity to be a parent, to be a mom, to be a dad, to enjoy the blessings of children and to watch them grow and mature. And Father, we pray that you would give us the wisdom, patience, to direct them and to encourage them, to correct them when needed. And Father, we pray our richest blessings on our young people. We pray that they'll have a heart for you, that they will love you with all their heart, soul, and mind, and walk before you in truth. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, we want to encourage you to come to Christ. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, John 10, verse 10. Jesus also said, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So if you're here today and you're not a member of the body of Christ, we encourage you to come to Christ, to do what they did in the first century, that is to believe in Jesus as the Son of God, repent of your sins, confess His name, and then be immersed in water, buried with Christ in baptism, as Paul pictures in Romans 6, Colossians 2. When you're baptized into Christ, you enjoy forgiveness and you become a member of the body of Christ. If you haven't done that, we encourage you to do that today. If you're here today and you need the prayers of the church, and you want to try to get your life back on track, maybe you haven't been what you ought to be, but you want to be everything that God wants you to be, could we encourage you to come as we stand and sing?